up your Bibles. We're going to make a declaration before the Lord this morning as we go into the Word. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It contains many great and precious promises for me. I am who the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. I will study the Word. And live according to it, because the living word of God is at work in me. Amen. Every week we make declaration that we'll be, we'll study the word and live according to it. That means, uh, so well put this morning uh, by uh, Stuart, that we will be doers of the word and not hearers only. I don't want to be deceived and, and certainly don't want to be willingly deceived. And uh, if we are hearers of the word and not doers of the word, we are willingly deceived. And uh, that would be an unfortunate reality to live in, I uh, believe. We have been uh, in, we are in the beginning of a series that we've spent two weeks uh, talking about the priority of prayer. The goal and the purpose and the plan there is for us to get to the place that we begin to talk about the prayer life of Jesus. The prayer life of Jesus um, throughout the, the four Gospels, there's great understanding about the priority of prayer in the life of Jesus. And uh, so it became uh, evident to me that as believers, Jesus is our example, and that there's some things that are lived out in his life in terms of prayer and communion with the Father that we need to be applying in our life. And thus we uh, set up on this journey uh, a couple of weeks back and... Uh, We are going to continue this morning. We've been talking about the priority of prayer. And this morning, I want us to begin to talk about the prayer practices of uh, Jesus. And so what we'll do this morning is we'll turn to the book of Luke, chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 21. And we're going to look at a couple of events in the life of Jesus and the impact of prayer on those events. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And then you're going to go home and you're going to be doers of the word. Amen. And we're going to take these things that we learned from the life of Jesus and that we've learned in the past couple of weeks. If you if you have missed the two uh, weeks that we spent on the priority of prayer, laying the foundation for this series, all you need to do is go to the website, colw.net, and go to the media page. And there you can listen to these uh, two weeks that we've been in this uh, on this journey together. And uh, you can also listen to some other absolutely wonderful teaching that has been taking place around here at Church of Living Water. And, and uh, you will be blessed. Benjamin taught last Sunday, and there's 18 or 19 women that ought to go to the website this week and listen to what they missed here last Sunday at home. And uh, we, what, what a blessing we had in the Word. And uh, then we have different teachers teaching on Wednesday evening. Uh, Rachel just recently taught, and uh, that was wonderful. And then last week, Linda taught. She's not here today, but uh, Linda just did an amazing job this last Wednesday night where we are focusing on worship. And it's interesting that the Lord has led us to focus on worship on Wednesday nights and then on prayer on Sunday. What is he trying to do? The Spirit of the Lord is calling us to places of intimacy, or we would not have that leading from the Lord and that focus. 
So he's calling us to places of intimacy with him. So if you are struggling in your communion time with the Lord, now is the season to invest in your relationship with the Lord at the worship and prayer level, and uh, the Lord will bless you as you do. I want to, uh, we're going to make some comparisons in the Gospels as we go through here. I, we were not going to read in every one of the Gospels, but I will give you some cross-references so those of you that are taking notes can later look and see if what I'm telling you is true. If you listen to a preacher and you don't check to see if what he's telling you is true, you're foolish. There, I said it. All right, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. This is at the baptism of Jesus as it is expressed from Luke's perspective. Uh, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself, we're going to, first half of verse 23, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 33 years of age. Uh, that same experience in Scripture is given from the perspective of Matthew in Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, and in Mark chapter uh, 1, beginning in verse 9. And the reason that I want to point that out to you is that each one of the writers of the Gospels, from their perspective, had different emphases, different things that they felt like were important, or different things that the Holy Spirit directed in their heart that stood out to them uh, about an experience. They all wrote about the same experience, but each one of them, just like if y'all, if, if we were to have each one of you share a story and we were to whisper that story in your ear, you would relay that story with some of your own insight, understanding and experience applied to it, some of your own background, some of the things that, the, the things that would be important in that story would be, uh, w- some things would be important to one person to emphasize and other things would be important to another person to emphasize. And what happens is the scripture tells us that whenever we do this, like was done in the Gospels, that what happens when when the body of Christ flows together like this and functions as the Gospel writers did, that what we actually acquire in that is the whole counsel of God. We get God's perspective on the uh, on the event. Well, in this particular, uh, Luke was a doctor, and Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote Acts. And in uh, in the, the emphasis that he decided that should be placed upon this moment was. All the people were baptized, and it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. The other writers talk about Jesus and John and their conversation about why Jesus should be baptized. That didn't seem to be an important emphasis to Luke. What Luke found important in the moment was that while he prayed. Did you hear that? He says, while he prayed, the heavens were open. So I want you to look at this particular passage of Scripture. Let's start here with when Jesus was baptized, what happened while he prayed? 
In the mind of Luke, this wasn't the, the emphasis here or the moment here. It wasn't about the fact that Jesus was being baptized, but it was about the fact that there was another step that was taking place in this baptism season of Jesus' life. In the time when Jesus was being baptized in water, there was also something else that was going on in the life of Jesus. There was an emphasis that, that Luke felt like that we should remember and that we should see that at that moment of baptism, Jesus prayed. And while he prayed, I don't think God uh, put that in there by accident. I don't think God put anything in the word by accident. I don't think the Holy Spirit uh, uh, allowed anything to be written in the word by accident. But, but Luke felt this emphasis in his heart. And if you read, as we read through the book of Luke, you're going to find that at, at other places, and I'll point them out to you, where Luke decided to point out that Jesus was praying. While the other writers were talking about what was happening, they were talking about the results, they were talking about what was going on. Luke was saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember, folks, at the point that this happened, he was praying. So I want to challenge you this morning that there's uh, two or three things that happened here that happened in the midst of Jesus' prayer. First of all, the heavens were open. I want to submit to you as believers that if you want to hear from God and that if you want an open relationship with God and that if you would like the heavens to be open, that the word says that we are to pray and we're to say to the Lord, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What's the point? We want to bring the economy of heaven. We want to bring the environment of heaven. We want to bring the experience of heaven into the experience of earth. And so what happened in that moment while Jesus was praying a little bit of heaven Heaven became invested in the life of Jesus. While he prayed, the heavens were open. While he prayed, all of a sudden, for just a moment, there was a connection between heaven and earth. I submit to you as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we are to have the connection that we need to have between heaven and earth, that that connection is going to come in prayer. In fact, I don't really believe there's any other place to get that level of connection because worship will lead you to prayer. Worship will lead you to an open heaven, but, but prayer will cultivate the environment of an open heaven where, where that, the things that are of heaven become the things of earth. You want the things of heaven to be, I've, I've said many times, and I'll say it again, in, in his presence, well, we, I think I quoted it this morning already, in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures evermore, and I believe that the reason that the writer wrote about what was in his presence is that he wanted believers to make a comparison in their mind and in their heart between what is in the presence of God and what is not. And I assure you that in the presence of God, there is no lack. In the presence of God, there is no disease. In the presence of God, there is no sickness in the presence of God there is no sorrow in the presence of God there is no brokenness and so we find that 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 uh, as we are going through these challenges of life that the place that we need to be is in an open relationship with God and, and there needs to be an open heaven over our life so that as we face the challenges of life we're able to take our brokenness and our sickness and our weariness and our heaviness and our difficulties and we're able to do what the scripture says and we're able to cast our care upon him because he cares for us we're able to lay our burdens at his feet that happens in prayer So while Jesus prayed, the heavens were open. What's the next thing that happened in in this season while Jesus prayed? The scripture says that while Jesus prayed, 
The father spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, or you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased, uh, as, uh, as it stated there. Uh, the, the father spoke, but he didn't just speak. The father spoke and affirmed. The Father spoke and affirmed. Some of you have begun in your prayer life to, we've encouraged you to sit down as you pray and as you sit before the Lord to take a pen and a paper with you so that if you believe the Lord is saying something to you, that you would jot it down so that it doesn't get lost from your memory or from your experience, that you began to hear the voice of the Lord, that you began to hear what he says. And I assure you that every time you hear God speak to you, God is not going to speak condemning words. He is not going to speak words that tear you down. He's not going to speak words that pull you apart. He's going to speak words that affirm you in your relationship with him. The father spoke and affirmed. As your prayer life matures, you need to understand that always, if you will stop and listen, the father will speak. Always, if you will stop and listen, the father will speak. Oh, pastor, I just, I just can't hear. I just can't seem to hear Jesus. Stop, stop struggling. He's not hiding from you. The scripture says, the apostle said that, that the, the mysteries that are hidden in God are now revealed to the believer. So there's no, there's no mystery in God that he's not hiding from you. There's no mystery in God that he doesn't want to. It, it is his desire to speak to you. It is his desire to reveal his heart to you. The, the father is delighted to give good gifts to his children. He's delighted to pour himself into you. He's delighted to be able to commune with you. The whole reason he set this thing up in the first place, if you go back and you study from the beginning, was so that he could have communion, so that he could have relationship. So the, so, so the father spoke, and don't miss, don't miss, don't miss that he affirmed. It's not enough that he spoke. I mean, the father could have spoken and said, oh, he's getting baptized. This is really cool. But the relationship was deeper than that. He didn't just think, oh, this is really cool, or I, I think it's really great. He's doing what he was supposed to do. He said, this is my beloved son. And in him, I am well pleased. And I assure you that as a, follow, a passionate follower of Jesus and a passionate follower of God, if you will be the kind of person that says, Lord, th- this is your word, and I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to be a doer of the word. Thank you, Stuart. That's just going over in our, in, man, the Lord set that up this morning. Uh, we're going to obey the word. We're going to honor the word. We're going to live out of the word of God. We're going to do the things that we're instructed to do, and we're going to let our life begin to look like uh, God. We're going to be the kind of people who walk like him, who sound like him, who act like him, who, who behave like him in the earth. And if we have that that kind of passionate relationship with him, then he's going to turn to you in your private time with God. How many times he turns to his children and he says, oh, you're mine, and I love you, and in you I am pleased. The Lord did not wait. If he'd waited for me to be perfect, he'd have still been waiting to affirm his relationship with me. If he waited for you to be perfect, he would still be waiting. But he speaks and he affirms. So then what's the next thing that happened? Oh, boy, we could stay on this all day. Um, It says then, 
the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. The other thing that happened while he prayed, the Holy Spirit descended. I want to tell you something. I just want to share uh, from the perspective of the Pentecostal experience. I heard one person, this just lit my fire. I don't always like to repeat you know, what I hear someone else say, and I wish I'd thought of this, but I heard a, a Pentecostal preacher preaching this week, and he said, when Jesus established his church, let me just point out to you that he established a Pentecostal church. He established a Pentecostal church. He established a church. Not, I'm, I'm not throwing stones or I, I, none of that. I just want to affirm to you that when he established his church, his intention was for him people, his people to be full of the Spirit of God. And he established it by example in the life of Jesus. And then when Jesus left... He had had the disciples out doing all kinds of works of ministry. They came back. Remember the 70 came back and they're like, woohoo, even the demons, uh, uh, even the demons do what we tell them. They're, they're subject to your name. And these are the guys that were gathered when he ascended and was seated at the right hand of God. These are the guys that were gathered there. And he says, now, wait a minute before, before you do anything, go back to Jerusalem and Wait. Go back. Wait a minute. They'd already cast out devils. They'd already healed the sick. They'd already opened the eyes of the blind. They'd already done all the wonderful works of ministry. And he says, don't, don't you attempt what I've sent you to do. Don't you even take one step until you go back to Jerusalem and get yourself uh, tarry before me and, and before the Father until you are filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy, Holy Spirit descended upon him while he prayed. What were they doing in the, in the, in the book of Acts? What were they doing there? They were praying. The Bible says that they, they got in there. They took care, I love that they took care of business. Judas had, had hung himself, and they, had, they felt that they needed to replace uh, the ministry of Judas in, in the life of the apostles, and so they voted, and they put someone in that place of responsibility. The Scripture doesn't uh, in any way condemn their decision to do that. It, what happened in that moment is they went in, and they said, you know, we need to pray, but before we pray, we've got to take care of some things so that these things are not on our mind and not pressing us. Anytime you pray, when you go to prayer, go to prayer with a tablet and, and, put, and carry that tablet with you, and when something begins to press on your mind, the minute that you go into the presence of the Lord, something's going to go, oh, I, I didn't start the dishwasher. Write it down. I got to start the dishwasher. Don't forget, before you leave today, start the dishwasher. Oh, I, I need to transfer the laundry. Okay, then write it down. Oh, I need to transfer the laundry. I'm going to prayer, and, and I'm going to prayer, and and I remember, oh, wait a minute, I made an appointment to get the oil change, and I'm going to forget to take the car. Okay, write it down. I gotta, uh, take care of business. Get it off your mind. But stay in the presence of the Lord until something happens. You moms raising your, your little kids, and you'll, you'll, the minute you go in there, you'll think, oh, uh, uh, the, the little one needs shoes. When I'm out, I cannot forget to get his shoe or his cleats for soccer. I can't forget to get his cleats. So write it down. Just write it down so that the business of life is not, is not pressing upon your mind. And thank God. You know, in the old days, when, 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 how, when phones were in the house and there were landlines, in the, the old days, how many of you all probably still have a, a landline? The phones were, they didn't have on-off switches, so the phone would ring. 
Now your cell phone has an off switch. Turn it off. Turn off the computer, turn off the phone, turn off the TV, turn off the noise of life and get in that place of solitude and get before the Lord and give an opportunity in your life for the Holy Spirit to descend. Oh, that's just some practical stuff. Now let's talk about, this is, this is what happened while he prayed. But I'm so glad that the anointing of the Lord doesn't cease when you stop praying. Let's talk about what happened after he prayed. Now, in, in that passage of Scripture from verse 23, it says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age. This is important. He goes on from verse 23 through the end of the chapter, and he begins to talk about the genealogy of Jesus. It was not a mistake of the Spirit of God to put right in this spot in Scripture the genealogy of Jesus. Luke had an emphasis to say, by the way, let me help you understand that he is who he said he was. And that same genealogy is spelled out in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 17. And Matthew and Luke, both at this point in time in Scripture, decided that it was important. Wait a minute, let me remind you that he's who he said he was. Now let's go on with after he prayed. I'm going to take you through Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 14. This is the temptation of Jesus. And we just need to read through this. This is also shown in Mark 4. Uh, chapter 1 through 11, and, and it's referred to, or Matthew 4, chapter 1 through 11, and it's referred to in Mark chapter 1, verse 12. Um, Luke took 14 verses to talk about this experience, and Mark took one. So are you getting the perspective of different people on the sharing of the same story? Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 14. Uh, listen, let's read together. Uh, read along and follow me. In verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they, when they had ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to be bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil taking him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, the devil said to him, all authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You do need to make a mental note of that. He's looking for an opportune time in your life, by the way. Uh, that's just a, a little 
uh, side note. Uh, then Jesus uh, returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Now, we're not going to get into the, the specific temptations that Jesus endured and all those things. Those, that's a subject for another day. But I read all of that so that you would have a contextual understanding of what was taking place so that I could remind you that this, this is what happened immediately after his baptism and after that season of prayer where the Holy Spirit comes and descends upon him. The Father, the father speaks and affirms him. And the, the heavens are open there. And this is what happens immediately following. He's led into this place of temptation. Now, what happened after he prayed? First of all, the scripture tells us he was filled with the spirit. The scripture says Jesus being filled with the Holy Ghost. What an example that he was to us. Jesus being filled with the Holy Ghost. I just want to submit to you this morning that if you're going to be a doer of the word and you haven't uh, allowed yourself the time in the presence of the Lord to be filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe you ought to tarry before him for a while and not do anything else until you get filled. And before you, before you struggle with, well, uh, is, that, is that appropriate? Do we, do we still do that? Uh, that's certainly not politically correct. Uh, I'm not sure that fits with, with our culture. Uh, when, when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. And he goes on with his exhortation. And he concludes his exhortation by saying, this is for you, your children, your children's children, and to all those that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Is he still calling? He's still calling. So the promise is for you. So so what began in the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, in verse 1, or Luke chapter 3 here at the the baptism, the, the water baptism of Jesus produced the Holy Spirit baptism of Jesus. Hallelujah. But it happened while he was praying. I love you, honey. She's got to go take care of some things. And, um, so the, the, the uh, prayer time, Jesus is filled with the Spirit. And now what happened? Listen, every, every person who is, who is a follower of God wants this result in their life. It happened as a result of the prayer of Jesus. The Scripture says he was led by the Spirit. Those two things do go hand in hand. Being filled with the Spirit does help produce being led by the Spirit. And if you're not being filled with the Spirit, there is going to be a struggle in the area of being led by the Spirit. They do tend to go hand in hand. But it says there in verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord began to speak in his life. Now go do this. Would to God that we would get some of the super spiritual mindset that we get about being spirit-filled out of our head and that we would apply the practical uh, gifting of the Holy Spirit into our lives and begin to hear the Holy Spirit say, now, go do this. Now, go do that. I love when the Holy Spirit does that. How many understand that half the things we do that, that comes out of the life of this church, there's not a man in the world could think of it on his own. 
we didn't, we, we, we didn't, we didn't the, the things that have been produced out of the life of Church of Living Water over 25 years of ministry, uh, nobody could have imagined or thought of. But we heard the Holy Spirit say, now, go. Now, go plant a church. Now, send out a missionary. Now, now, do this. And, uh, and so we've, we've tried to be uh, true to that, speaking of the Holy Spirit. So he returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit. And then the Scripture says that he fasted. You can't talk about Jesus praying without talking about Jesus fasting. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this except to suggest to you that fasting is always in conjunction with prayer. If you are fasting and you are not praying, you're just going hungry. You're dieting is what you're doing. Crash dieting. But when you fast and you take that season of time that season of time that you would feed your flesh. I don't care if your lunch break at work is 15 minutes. And you decide, I'm going to fast and pray during lunch. Take that 15 minutes and go sit before the Lord and fast and pray. Well, Jesus, in this case, happened to do that for 40 days. Uh, We read there that during that time he did not eat. He ate in, in verse uh, 2, it says, and in those days he ate nothing. So he was in the spirit, or he was in the desert, he was fasting and praying. Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 21 when he was instructing his uh, disciples. They were frustrated because they had tried to do some work of ministry uh, that, uh, that they were being unsuccessful at. They were trying to cast out a devil. And Jesus said, they, they went to him and they said, why couldn't we do this? What, what was the problem here? And he said, just be aware. Some of these guys only come out by fasting and prayer, by an investment of you preparing yourself in the presence of the Father to deal with the challenge of that moment. And so Jesus had this habit of fasting and praying. And then the scripture says that after he prayed, uh, you need to be aware of this. The Bible says we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. After he prayed, he was tempted. Let me help you with something. Prayer or not, you're going to be tempted. But in prayer, you are prepared for the season of temptation. You are going to be tempted. Prayer is not what brought on the temptation, but the point is made that after he prayed, he was tempted so that we could also understand that he was successful in that season of temptation because he was prepared in prayer. Is that this good wisdom? Because we go right after that and we see that he overcame temptation. He was not only tempted, but he overcame that. That was a result of the prayer. He overcame the temptation. And then the scripture says that after that prayer and after that baptism of the Holy Spirit, he entered public ministry. This, is, this was the launching of the ministry of Jesus. I don't think that the launching of the ministry of Jesus was so much the, the, the season of baptism at the Jordan. I, it, all, it all kind of goes together. But the launching of the ministry of Jesus was the overcoming of the season of temptation after prayer and after being filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to launch you into the earth. 
He wants his heart to be expressed in the earth. He wants his love to be shown in the earth. He wants, his, he wants deliverance and, and healing and, and restoration and all the things that come uh, through the power of the Spirit to be expressed into the earth. And the way that we do that, the way that we get ourselves positioned, the way that Jesus positioned himself is by spending that time with the Father in prayer and letting him invest in us his Holy Spirit and allowing us to move and become the body of Christ that we're supposed to be, the equipped saints for works of ministry. Amen? Are you with me? And then another wonderful thing happened that I don't want us to miss in in closing here. As Jesus begins his ministry, it says in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, number one. Now, would you, would you see that this whole experience of temptation was wrapped in the, ba- the, the, the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus as a result of prayer? Are you following me? This whole experience of temptation was wrapped. It says he went in the power of the Spirit to the desert. He was tempted. He didn't eat for 40 days, and he left the desert in the power of the Spirit. You see that wrap? It's like a parenthesis around the experience that Luke puts in. He goes in in the power of the Spirit. He comes out in the power of the Spirit. And then it says, listen, to, listen to you, God wants you to have influence in the earth. But you're not going to get influence in the earth by having opportunities to preach, by having opportunities to share. You're not going to get, you're not, you don't have influence in the earth because somebody knew your name. You don't have influence in the earth because you're, because of your, the, the letters behind your name. You don't have influence in the earth because of your status in life. You don't have influence in the earth because of your economic structure. You, that's not what brings you influence in the earth as a believer. The Bible says that, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. In Luke chapter 2, it refers to uh, Jesus at 12 years old. And he goes into the temple and he's speaking to the temple leaders. And they're all amazed at the wisdom that's coming out of this 12-year-old boy. And they're listening to the wisdom of God that is in him. And the scripture says, while he stayed submitted to his mom and dad, that he grew in favor with God and with man. And we see that continuing in the life of Jesus. Subsequent to this temptation, Luke saw that it was important to remind us that the news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He grew in favor with man. You want to have influence in your, in your workplace? As a believer, listen, people of faith, listen, people who follow God, you want to have influence in your workplace. You want to have influence in your extended family. You want to have influence and, and carry the, the message of Jesus and the love of Jesus into the lives of, uh, of, of the folks in your neighborhood. Let me help you with something. You don't get it by striving for it. You don't get it by reaching for it, by pushing yourself into their face and being rude and all that kind of stuff that comes with some of the some of the old ways of witnessing. Oh, it's important to tell them there's a heaven and there's a hell. It's important to share the news. But you get the influence in prayer. You get the influence by laying before the Lord. You get the influence by being connected to the source.
and to the supply of the Father. We're going to begin to look at how Jesus did what the Father said. Jesus followed the Father. Jesus spent time before the Father. We're going, to get, we're going to look more at this. But I just want to challenge you this morning. I want us to be a people who decide that we're going to go home and we're going to be doers of the word. If I could, if I could do one thing for you in your home, and I won't come change your furniture around, I promise. But if I could do one thing for you, I would help you find a place in your home where you created a little corner and you put a chair and a table and a Bible and a notepad. And you said, every day, this is where, even if it's only 10 minutes or there'll be days when I've got an hour to spend, there'll be days when God shows up and I just hang out there for a long period of time. But if I could do one thing, I'd come to your home and I'd help you identify the spot and I'd say, let's get a comfortable chair. Not so comfortable that you sleep. Let's get a comfortable chair. Let's get a writing instrument. Let's get our Bible and a tablet and let's get some good lighting so that, so that we can see and let's sit and tune our ear and give God the opportunity like Jesus did for the heavens to be open at your house to give God the opportunity to speak and affirm you in your relationship with him for him to to tell how many would love to hear the father say you know I really like you his word says it but it'd be really cool if you were sitting there writing what you're hearing from the Lord and all of a sudden you hear the Lord say you know you are so special to me and I so appreciate the fact that you've set this place aside for me to meet with you. Adam and Eve had a place in the garden. The Bible says that, that God walked in the cold of day and he came looking for them in their, in their meeting place and they weren't there. They were hiding after they had sinned. And, and the Lord wants you to have that meeting place with him. So important. Why don't you establish a place in your life where the Holy Spirit can descend? I guarantee you that what happened to Jesus at his baptism, the Father wants to happen to you in your individual life and relationship with him. It'll phenomenally change corporate worship. It'll phenomenally change your, your, your experience in the, con- the larger context of the body of Christ. But it will be amazing if you'll let this happen in your house. I just want to challenge you this morning. Amen? Let's stand together. Praise the Lord. Those that are assigned for prayer team are going to be up.